0: Winston Churchill once said, The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Get ready to be inspired. This is the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Big Fish Cares Podcast. Whether it's business, life, financial, relationships, we're sharing stories and journeys to help inspire you to be optimistic and to take action. No matter the hurdle in life, you can do it, and we're here to help. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast, and here's your host, Benny Fisher.
1: What is happening, fans of the Big Fish Cares Podcast? I'm really excited. Today starts our summer edition series where I am going to be broadcasting live, not really live. Why did I just say live? It's not live. It's obviously recorded. It's but I'm going to be. I'm so used to being Facebook live, so I'm not used to saying live. But I'm in the my home office, trying out the virtual software. You can see I got Michael Jordan in the back. I got the Big Fish Cares podcast and the the vibe board. Got my Hangout Hawk NFT behind me. Got my bookcase over here. And today's guest is the famous very famous manager John thank you for coming manager John how are you today
2: what a big fish you know I'm blessed it's a good day uh, it's a good day to be busy it's a it's a good day to be on the big fish podcast right I'm loving it I uh, yeah I'm excited to get into it
1: so let's just start right out because I'm sure people you know are used to hearing you know first names last names what is manager John who is manager John how did manager John come about
2: so, um, actually, so it, it, it's kind of the, the beginning of like my whole content creation, um, kind of journey because when I, uh, when I was actually in high school, I, um, I used to co-run a, a YouTube channel with my best friend and, um, we got like pretty crazy notoriety on it. It was like 2000, 2010, 2011. So we were shooting, like, videos in high school and, like, making these, like, stupid videos that, like, you know, just, like, just, like, just things that, like, younger kids, like, love to watch. You know, today people love, you know, uh, little kids watching, uh, you know, them open up toys and stuff like that. And so it's, like.
1: unboxings on YouTube.
2: Yeah, yeah, the unboxings. But, like, we used to do, like, you know, just, like, funny videos similar to, like, um. Like Smosh and stuff like that, um, just having fun, chilling, creating stuff, and I think when we when we really started getting serious about it, when we we're and it's funny I'm talking high school, we're talking about getting serious about it. Um, I think our first video was like three million views. That was off of what? Uh, it? Yeah, yeah, it was like three million views off of a music video that we did um, based off a remix because my buddy he was going from making these funny videos to like doing music. And uh, when you're younger, you know, everybody's just like, there's like, people don't really know who they are yet. Right. And so they would always try to hang out with him, like because of the notoriety and because of like, you know, when you, when you hit numbers like that at such a young age and you got such a crazy amount of exposure, you know, people, people are people. Right. And they, they see like the benefits. And so, I was technically his, like, manager because I was, like, the only person that he trusted. And it was kind of a joke at first because, like, what do I know about talking about sponsorships with people, about organizing my calendar, scheduling stuff? I'm in 11th, you know, 12th grade out here. And, you know, people would be joking around. All right, manager, John, go take that meeting. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, pissed nervous because, like, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing because we just blew up from creating videos in high school. So, so you just owned it. Yeah, I just owned it, man. And, uh, I, you know, I, I tell people I introduce my name as Manager John because I believe in branding. I believe in, you know, like setting myself, like, kind of apart, right, um, even with, like, first interactions and stuff like that. And so I took something that used to be a joke and I uh, ran with it and, and really uh, made it into, you know, what it is today.
1: So how long ago was high school? Because how old are you?
2: Dude, man, I don't want to date myself here. But, uh,
1: oh, no, that's what I mean. The viewers are all yeah. the listeners at home. They're probably, like, thinking, like, YouTube, making videos, 3 million. You know, you look like a young guy, but you're probably a little bit older than 23, 24, right? How old are you?
2: I'm 30. I just turned 30 this last year.
1: The dirty,
0: dirty.
2: I know I know I feel I feel I feel good for 30 though so hey, like, you look good man appreciate it appreciate it
1: I'm 40 so I mean you got me beat by a decade
2: you know like what there's like the, the stigma of when you get older right things start to slow down I feel like I, I don't know about you but I feel like I'm in I'm in my prime no you don't hit your prime oh, listen, all the guys that I know that are 50
1: say they're hitting their prime in their 50 so like we still got plenty of time baby
2: that's what I'm saying. I uh, I feel healthier than ever. I feel uh, I feel wiser than ever because trust me, I was I made so many stupid mistakes.
1: So how much money? How much money does a three million uh, YouTube video watcher can he make? Like making making YouTube stuff.
2: So back in the day when AdSense was popping, when AdSense was good, um, I think we were like so we hit three million. And I think our Google payout was like seven thousand oh, so, awesome.
1: dollars. video?
2: yeah, it was for, for like collective for the, the three million hit. But then it you know it accumulates as you go on and stuff like that and the trickle down. But the big the big check came, which was seven thousand. And you know when you're in eleventh grade, you've never seen that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the funny part: we couldn't like um, when he set up the account initially, he set it up under his grandma's name. And so it wasn't in our name, and his grandma was on uh, disability, and so she she gets this check in the mail for seven thousand dollars. She's confused, and she's terrified because she feels like she's going to lose her disability or something like that. And we <laughs> we like we had to switch everything over, and uh, you know just make sure that everything was good because it's it's it was funny how that happened because we you know I mean you don't really know how big something could get. Um, were
1: you on the screen at all? Or were you behind the scenes
2: or what? No, so I was—I was the one running around picking up the camera, shooting video. I didn't even—I didn't know anything like that. You're I the Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I was the yeah, Steven right. Spielberg with the—we—we we had this like vertical white camera that if you pushed, if you like pushed a button, a USB drive would flip out of it. You could plug it into your, uh, your um your uh your computer and it was like 480 you know it was like (laughs) it was like 480 uh resolution
1: so so that that was only like 12 what is that 2010
2: yeah well yeah that was yeah that was 2010
1: so the three million video is the the video that kind of puts you on the map with him and then what did he do what was his next big one like what like what were you were you able to replicate that
2: so we start, yeah, actually, we so we started moving and doing like more remixes and stuff like that because he was really getting like into his music as like because he was doing like DJing and like doing remixes and stuff. Um, but after that video, we started getting booked at like conferences, so like like Playlist Live and um, like VidCon and stuff like that. So we're going to these things as, as high schoolers, right? Teaching these people how to make like videos, and we barely know what we're doing we' well, like so four year olds. yeah yeah so so we're like we're like on panels you know teaching people that are you know older than us but then at the same time younger than us um talking on panels and we were doing um we would like do like uh the live Dj sets for like the the events and stuff like that um but yeah it was uh it was pretty wild
1: how long did you guys how long did you run with him how long did you do that with him for
2: I still, I still, I still work with uh, my my buddy Gary, Gary Satarsky. I still work with Gary to this day.
1: Oh wow! You so know. Like Gary's still doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our um, our actual, our biggest event that we ever did, that was like kind of our biggest accolade within music was, um, we performed at this uh, event called Tomorrow World, in uh in Atlanta, and it was like 190. So the oh, overall what's that the hip hop no it was a EDM festival
1: oh EDM okay EDM's cool
2: yeah yeah so that was that was probably our, our biggest event that we had the opportunity to perform at and uh, the so festival the over imagine like a big like
1: you know sea of people and these up there in a DJ booth rocking turntables doing all kinds of like Steve Ioki type stuff.
2: Yeah, actually, so Steve Aoki, so the, the here's what the lineup looked like. It was like Steve Aoki, Bass Nectar, um, uh, Tiesto, uh, Calvin Harris, um, oh, wow. David Guetta, like all these like major brands. Because like, so wow. Tomorrow World, Tomorrow World um, was a branch off of Tomorrowland. And Tomorrowland was one of the biggest festivals within Europe, right? So they brought it over to, um, to Atlanta and they brought in like 190,000 people. So like, you got to imagine you got this whole big, like plot of land and there's like 190,000 people. I brought like a bunch of influencers. Uh, we were performing and I'm just still like, at that point I was like fresh out of high school. So I'm still like, you know, figuring out my, uh, figuring out my way.
1: What's your, uh, so where'd you grow up at? What's that? Where'd you grow up, or where
2: are you from? So I'm originally from uh, Buffalo, New York, or Lockport, which is like a suburb. Um, actually, they they had some pretty crazy stuff that happened recently. So oh, I heard.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. I heard yeah,
2: yeah. I I used to work. Um, so when I was doing like like I because I used to work also simultaneously within like retail retail stores as like uh-huh. a cashier. I used to work in Buffalo um, at one of the dollar stores there, and it, w- it wasn't too far away.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's a tough situation. I don't really follow the news much anymore, but I did see that somewhere in a feed or something like that. That's terrible. So um, I'm assuming uh, your buddy lives – he was from Buffalo. You guys grew up together. you guys grew up
2: together? Yeah, so we we grew up um, – we, like, practically everything was, like, really hitting off on, on YouTube. And so we would think of, like, the next, you know, whether it was the next song to remix or, like, the next um, video to make or the next person to network with. Um, we, we've, I mean, we've worked together on so many different projects. Our last biggest project, I brought him in um, to help me work with, like, Mike Tyson for um, for a conference that we hosted. How's so, he
1: doing? I heard he got a little trouble on an airplane the other day.
2: Yeah, man, I... Listen, people. People get over their heads, right? You know, I mean, if it wasn't Mike Tyson, like the, would you?
1: Celebrities are like the fans.
2: The fans, man. Mike Tyson <laughs> is a peaceful dude. Mike Tyson is a peaceful man, but you can't, like, you know what I mean? It's like
1: you can't keep like, the pot, man. I mean, the dude's gonna jack you. you like, you want? He wanted that. That dude wanted
2: jacked up. You can't it. keep slapping the bull, bro. You can't sleep keep <laughs> slapping the bull before you get kicked in the chest. You I know? hear you,
1: man. So that's wild. You got right and you think you told me you work for some other people in the the fighting boxing world too, right?
2: Yeah, so after so after Tomorrow World and kind of like that whole segment of like networking with YouTubers and really building up, you know, my um my notoriety within it, it was more so it wasn't always like the front end, like a lot of the stuff that I was super interested in was the back end. And that's why I really fell into manager John, because, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, go from being normal people to like getting this crazy amount of fame and they don't have any people behind them. I mean, that was Mike Tyson's biggest issue is the people that were behind him, right, were malicious, were like people that didn't have his best intentions. And now all of a sudden he's doing all this stuff my place you know and where i kind of fell into my role was i really liked being a back-end person that high caliber people could trust number one that i could brush shoulders with the amount of quality that they needed and i could like advise them and be like somebody who was like you know um what is it in eos there's the visionary and then there's the implementer Yeah, yeah an integrator, integrator.
1: You're, the, you're the influencer integrator
2: the I- yeah I'm really the yeah double I. <laughs> yeah No, so, I mean, by default, you know, uh, a level of influencer came to me because, like, people, you know, their fans would see um, me doing this stuff and they would naturally follow me. But, you know, integrating, you know, people's vision was kind of like something that I really liked doing and I was good at it. Um,
1: I think that's that's why I like you, because when I met you through a buddy, Joe Hughes... I was trying to tell you kind of a couple of things that I was trying to do. And I was like, man, I was like, I don't know how to do that part. Like, I know enough about it to be dangerous. I said, but I don't, I'm not really organized enough to be able to, like, chop up content, know what's good, what's not good. So it's, it's been fun yeah. getting to know you over the,
2: over the past year. And the funny part about, like, you know, you're talking about chopping up content. Man, I had to chop up content because I was like, we got, we got to do this. It wasn't even because I like, you know, obviously I'm passionate about telling a story. I love storytelling, but I was like, man, I looked at that thing like a tool and I was like, I could build whatever the hell I want. If I was in high school doing this stuff, making content, just picking up a camera, right. Documenting a story, you know, yeah. creating something from nothing, dude, you could do anything. You could do anything from there. That's what so.
1: you lives by. You just document it. You just documents everything.
2: Exactly. But, um, So I started working with, like, a lot of influencers. I started working – so there were, like, a couple different pillars that I, like, set for myself that I wanted to kind of become a a direction for me and, like, create a staple. You know, I was like, okay, this is the way I'm going to do this. And one of them was combat sports. And so I got involved with – initially it was kickboxing. And so I was working with a kickboxer and um, the – manager for the Mayweather family. Well, well, one of the managers, uh, for the Mayweather family for Floyd senior. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, dude, he's crazy, man. He's, he's, he, he's actually fast though, which is, that's the funny part. It's like people joke around about, you know, you get old and stuff like that. He could still, he could still clap you. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, I got connected with him and he was like, oh, I got to bring you out, you know, to Vegas. We got to shoot like the Mayweather channel and stuff like that. I got to get you connected with all these guys. And I, I just, I was literally, as, as a matter of fact, I met him on a very low point in my life because at that point I'd lost, um, two businesses that I was just putting my hands in that were like freaking. Mo- so what, one of them was, uh, a barbershop, funny enough.
1: <laughs> that, that sounds like a whole episode.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And then uh, the the other one was a digital media studio collective.
1: What'd you do? Get it? that? Were you in business with? Were you in business with other people? In both those endeavors?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was in business with other people. Um, hard, to,
1: hard to control those, huh?
2: Dude, it's it's um. There's so much. Uh Like you either have to all be in sync or you have to understand that each person has their own pillar and you got to be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Like everybody can't be the man. Like everybody can't be like, you know, in the barber world, you know, everyone can't have their name on the building and then everybody's got to have like a different role. Right. I'm
2: I'm assuming you weren't cutting hair. (laughs) No, 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 no. So I was, I was, I was the marketing and I acquired like, um, you know, I helped like acquire like, like, the, the startup costs. Cause we did that thing. So we did that from like straight up, like bare bones. Like we entered into a space. There wasn't even drywall on the walls yet. And there wasn't even a floor. first off. No, we were, we, we were, cut, we were cutting it. I remember, listen, and this is funny having, you know, uh, having my own contracting, uh, exterior company now in, uh, in Dayton, uh, <sighs> When I was doing this stuff, I was putting baseboard as crown molding or crown molding as baseboard on the ceiling. Like it was, it was just bad. So I, uh, I mean, but you know, we put it all out on the, on the floor, you know, all out on the table. And, uh, I actually, the barbershop is probably one of the things that, uh, I probably hold most precious, like to my heart because I, uh, I was able to learn so much from it. By through failure, but then I was able to impact like a ton of lives through it through like philanthropy because we were huge on philanthropy. Um, like what kind
1: of
2: philanthropy? So we, uh, we would have these barbershop kids that would come in to the shop, and they were like kids that grew up in like horrible homes, you like know? You know kind of
1: stuff?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we, we used to have Lockport? no, no, no. So we're in Lockport, we're in Lockport, which is uh-huh. like a suburb, or like a suburb, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um I mean these would be kids that would like you know their parents would like throw them into the walls and just like you know they wouldn't care about like their you know like their nutrition or they wouldn't care about whether or not they went to school and so these kids would come out and they would hang out with me and my my partner and um, you know we would just we would hang out with them we would like allow the, uh, a safe place for them to hang out um I remember uh I actually taught one of the kids how to drive so that he could get his license. You know, we would make them take the trash out, sweep up the hair. In exchange, we would give them free haircuts and stuff. Were they
1: good kids at heart? You think? Yeah. No. 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 They. They, they, were, they were disguised they... a little bit by their parents, but they had good. They had good hearts. They were probably just a little rougher on the edges, maybe.
2: And and that's 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 why we would do that because like you know, like I mean, what what do you what do you know about yourself when you're like. When you're fourteen, 14, 15 years old, right? Yeah. You know your your environment.
1: Yeah, I'm forty. I'm still searching.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. So we we would try to be a, a good example, and um, just love on them, and we it's would awesome. get, get them like backpacks and stuff. There was actually. Touch, you ever stay in touch with any of them? Every once in a while, yeah. Every once in a while, they'll reach out to me and stuff like that, and or if they they ever need anything, they're all they're all pretty grown now. Um, so I, I touch base every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, we did um, – we would do a lot of philanthropy, not just that, but I remember there was a, a Dallas shooting that happened with, like, 13 cops got killed. I don't know if you ever remember that, but that was a while ago. I
1: remember – so I grew up in the Columbine era, so I went to high school. I went to prom the same time that Columbine happened, which is, you know, 10 years before your time. Um, that was, like, the big first school shooting um, that ever happened uh that was in 1999 or yeah that was in 1999 and it was right before i went to prom and i remember that's when they they started doing like pat downs and like they had got gun, gun they were checking for guns at prom and that was the first school shooting that was the first big mass school shooting and ever since then they've been nuts man they've been having them all they had all kinds of shootings you know and feels like during covid i feel like for a year like they stopped if you like, remember, I feel like I didn't hear anything for a year. You know, I think right after COVID there might have been a couple, but then there was like for about a year, year and a half, you didn't really hear too much. Um, and then boom, like here we are again. Uh, it's like wow.
2: When did you uh? So you you let's see. When, when was that for you? When was when was Columbine area or like?
1: So I graduated high school in nineteen ninety nine.
2: Did you start into your? So tell me, when did you start into? Because this was a big big fish, was a, a family business, right? No, 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 no. Tell me about that.
1: What, you're interviewing me now? Look at this guy. Turn yeah,
2: it yeah.
1: in the scripts. Yeah. I, I still want to get back to Vegas and Floyd Mayweather. But
2: all right, so. We'll, we'll put a pin in it.
1: Yeah, we'll put a, yeah, a pin in it. So um, I started Big Fish. So I went to work for my uncle in the roofing business. He has his own company, Sligo Roofing and Construction. I started there in 2010, so I lived in Ohio after high school for about 10 years, took a bunch of corporate sales jobs, worked at Ford dealership, worked at uh, Verizon Wireless. Um, my uncle calls me up and says, hey, moved to Pittsburgh. And I started a roofing company. went to help with sales and marketing, so I did that with him for five years. Uh, and then I just, you know, I took what I learned from my 20s in sales and marketing and customer service. Took what I learned from him in roofing on the commercial side, but I really wanted to like take all that and put it in residential because there is a severe need for like big time customer service. So I um, so I just started my own and went out and made a brand. And I was following Gary Vee at the time, and um, you know I just I came up with that cartoon fish uh, and. Just said, I'm gonna be the best roofing, best roofing contractor in Pittsburgh, and you know they will know what Big Fish stands for. It stands for good quality customer service. Has nothing to do with roofs, you know, or fish sandwiches, or you know, running boats on the river. Because um, I got a lot of people told me, you know, people aren't gonna know that you're a roofing company. I said they will when people start talking about how great a service we provide. So it's kind of how I started there. But um, tell me, let's go back to you in boxing. Uh tell me about that Vegas story. Tell me about where you were, you were getting ready to before we sidetracked with the the, the businesses. The barbershop, right.
2: yeah. Yeah. No, so I um so anyway, I uh I got I was out in Vegas, I was shooting, you know, I was um filming just as much stuff as possible and this, you know, uh, Amir Abdallah, he was putting me in front of every single person that he was connected to. I think even at that time he was working with Caleb Plant, um, and I'd really kind of established myself because, like, I you, you know like uh, you ever hear of like ignorance on fire, no. right? So it's like when you get like a when you get like a new a new rep, right? And they're just like crushing their sales, right? And they're just super like motivated. They're super driven. They don't really know everything about the process, but they, they just know that they're all in. It's like ignorance on fire. Right. They don't know, they don't really know everything about the game or like what they're doing, but they're like, they're all in. Right. And I kind of had a little bit of that, right. As I was going in, I didn't really know a whole lot about boxing. um, But I, I knew the, I knew the Mayweather name and I knew that (laughs) other than, other than, just like, the biggest name in boxing. You
1: know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay,
2: yeah. No big deal. Just plastering the city of Vegas with, like, 50 and 0. But um, I knew that the only people that were producing, like, really good content consistently that people, that, that these high-caliber guys could trust was, like, Showtime, um, DAZN, uh, PBC, right? Like, these, like, these, like, well-established organizations, right? That were doing like documentaries and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, H, like HBO with Bob Costas. Yeah. And like that, all that stuff. Like yeah. the, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying.
2: Yeah. But I mean, you know, where's the opportunity to be able to like, for them to create their own content and then to make like their own money off YouTube and then to yeah. like influence their own people, you yeah, know, you I mean, the, yeah, hundred percent. So at that time, uh my buddy Gary funny enough so Gary hits me up he's like dude KSI this guy KSI he just uh he just called out Logan Paul right we'll See so, Logan
1: Paul this weekend at V-Cop.
2: Yeah yeah buddy But um so KSI called out Logan Paul just after he finished his Joe Well Joe Weller fight in the UK and I used my network and we like, we did like, we did a search of like who we had to contact and stuff like that. I reached out and I was like, hey, you know, I I, I love the fact that you guys are trying to cultivate something new within like, you know, the content community and stuff like that. And um, I was like, I have a perfect opportunity while simultaneously asking, you know, uh, the Mayweather family's manager, Right. I was like, hey, listen, I got this guy. So I was like playing both deals at the same time. I was like, hey, listen, I got this guy that like wants to, you know, train with like Floyd Sr. Do you mind if I like connect you guys? And then I reached out to them and I was like, listen, I can I can connect you guys. I can validate you guys in this industry. Nobody's going to think like YouTubers are serious. Right. Because like these are boxers. These are people that get like punched in the face for a living. Right. Like we're talking like people die in this sport. Right. Nobody takes a YouTuber that's running around with a camera. Serious. Right. <laughs> you like, you know, it's it's one thing to shoot video and to stage videos. It's another thing to get punched in the face in front of, like, you know, millions of people on you know, pay-per-view. So I was like, listen, I'll bring you into the Mayweather gym. You'll 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 train with um, like Floyd senior. Right. I can have you you know, we could possibly set up like a sparring session with Badu Jack. Um, and. We made it happen. We um, he actually so KSI actually came to the U.S. during his birthday week, and so KSI and all the Sidemen they came into the Mayweather gym, and uh, we documented everything, and we just uh, started that relationship there and started that journey, um, to a point to where now, um, you know KSI was able to do a, a two fight series with Logan Paul, uh, one in the UK. And then one in, um, in, uh, LA. So yeah, the story, the story so, unfolded so itself. And the only and, thing I
1: know about him, and again, maybe this is cause I'm older, but I saw an article the other day, um, cause I'm in a cryptocurrency that he bought, uh, Luna, yeah. he bought Luna on the dip, like put like 3 million bucks mm-hmm. in. And then literally two days later, it's worth a thousand bucks. Yeah. I've never heard anything like that before in my life. And I've been in crypto for a while, but that my friend is like, but again, if he's able to stomach, like those big, that adversity and stuff like that, like, you know, he must have, you know, he's got a ton of money where 2.8 million is not a big deal. I don't know what a guy like that's worth, but
2: yeah, I mean, well, so JJ, JJ has, when he first started, he had an accumulation of like 30 million followers um across his platforms and it's funny because like none of these boxing guys like understood really like the value of that until they started seeing the numbers come through online and they're like oh my god this isn't being done with like a promoter right so like promoters run the game in boxing right unless you're you know you're signed to like a major promote promoter like mayweather promotions golden boy um any any one any one of these these major players you know it's really hard to make money as a boxer or to make any sort of headway so like the fact that these guys could like do this through influencers now now you see all these influencers trying to get in on the game right you know you got jake paul coming up on his rise um i was able to introduce anison gibb to like his team right that was the same team as ksi and um Jake, uh, Anison Gibb fought Jake Paul. We signed, um, Vidal Riley, uh, who's currently in the UK now. Um, uh, these
1: names i never heard of, just so you know.
2: It's, it's all good, you, you know you what talk, I mean? Like, you
1: talk to them like it's like, man, like I'm in, and I'm sure that if you're in the boxing world, the YouTuber world, like this is a big deal,
2: right? Oh, absolutely. I but mean, I'm talking a like,
1: idea. like, I've heard of Logan Paul, I think because, um, He's Logan Paul, I guess, and I think he mm-hmm. did some boxing, and I think that I've heard that, but I didn't know much about KSI until, I don't know, a month or two ago. Then my son, who's eight years old, I feel like knows who he is. Um, but again, that's showing myself, updating myself. Let me ask you a couple questions for the people at home that are more interested in, like, how you go about building a brand, how you go about supporting an influencer, how you go about the mechanics of of what you do. Let's get into that a little bit and um let's get like if somebody was wanting to do that, how would they go
2: about it? Number one, I think it's super important to have like one, a big vision and then two, clear goals for yourself. Um and then to really just kind of sit down and write out what it's gonna take to get to those. Most people like have these visions and they they don't even like they don't even plot out on the map what that I is
1: what if they have the big idea? Like, Oh man, I want to be famous. I want to have, you know, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I want to be an influencer. Okay, cool. All right. Well, how do I go about doing that? Like, there's not like a, you know, is there a playbook for that? Or does a guy like you help them with that? Like being a manager? Like, is that what the manager does?
2: Yeah. I mean, like, so first off, right. You need, if, if you can't do it yourself, which most people can't do it themselves, you need to find people, Right. I'm a big fan of you. You surround yourself with people that are better at you at different things. So
1: what what roles make up a team of like
2: an influencer team? So if you're if you're looking at like any sort of like fame, right. Most of them are they're managed by an agency. They have a manager. Um, they have some sort of, whether they're creating the content or somebody else is creating the content, they have like a content team. Um, they have a publishing team, right? And obviously you don't, you don't start here, right? You don't right. start at the you publishing You want start thing. by
1: yourself like your buddy did in Buffalo and you guys just started, you know, making it big and then next one thing leads to another, right?
2: But it all comes down to, you you know, having a quality product and then documenting that product, Right. So like we knew that we wanted like to be bigger in music. And so we started producing music content, high quality music content that people were looking for. Like right? songs like like like
1: like like music videos or, like 30 second yeah. clips So from, like YouTube or like what? What kind of content?
2: So we would um we would wait we would make remixes, right? Of super popular trending songs um that we knew were on Billboard like top 40 did you right? have the
1: pay- license fee from like the original artist or how's that all work
2: so a lot of it would fall into parody law and a majority of what we would do we wouldn't do solely focused. we wouldn't do it focused on monetization we or, or for financial gain we would do it knowing that we could bring the numbers right and if we get the numbers then we can sell like we can sell a product to someone or we can sell an image right so if we're looking for an agent so say if you're looking for an agent you're looking for a booking um, agent you're looking for you know anr booking agent or publicist every single one of those guys is going to be like what do you have to offer me right why should i put any sort of time into you right why should i book you on any sort of tour and that's when you come back to them and you say i already have a following here's my numbers here's the metrics of of the people that are engaged with me, you know, I'm already selling myself. I just need to scale it. And so, you know, there's relationships because this is really a relationship game, right? It's about who, you know, and is this the right person, right? For me and for my team. Right. So like KSI, we'll use that whole, that whole KSI example, right? So KSI is already big. Mind you that but he's looking to go to a different level, right? So somebody comes in that already has that pre-established relationship and because he has the numbers and he has the proof of concept, right? He's able to open up a door to opportunity to what is next on his vision, which is king of boxing, right? King of YouTubers in boxing. So it's the same It's the same type of, scale, just you're starting from zero, right? You need to get, so if you're starting from zero, you build your metrics, your your, your vanity metrics, you, you build up people following you, you build up good content. And then you say, okay, I want to like prime example, Ben, big, big fish, you want to get booked at more speaking engagements, right? So as a result, you're creating more content, you're creating a higher level of content, and you're providing a good quality product, which is You, number one, as an expert in business, NFTs, right, someone who's well-versed, and people that are watching you, right, your end consumer, right, the person that you want to engage the most, your fan, you understand that you can expedite their process by sharing information that you've learned from yours. So the more you do that and double down on yourself and the quality of product and the consistency, then you can open up doors in the relationships. Yeah to go to that next level, right? And if then you hire
1: like, someone that's already been at that next level and has coached somebody else on how to get there. Right. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So like, you got a
1: KSI, KSI might've hired someone that helped, you know, maybe get Kanye West somewhere, right? Or like, you know, somebody that's like, like way bigger, but was like their manager behind the scenes. Right.
2: So, uh, so once, so once, once KSI went through boxing, right. And he's going to, he's returning to boxing as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. There was a point where he's like, "I really just want to get into my music, and I really just want to do my music." So, as a result, he starts releasing songs with these high-caliber artists, like like you know, Trippy Red, and like, let's see here, the the list goes on. If I if I go to his his Spotify, well, I mean, you can do the
1: list. I don't know if the list is you know, I don't know if my audience is going to know that list. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Uh, I know I won't. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if this isn't about me. You know, I'm just trying to understand. You know what it takes to build a brand. What it takes to build like an influencer brand because I think what you do is really unique. Um, because you know this is a new this is a new world, right? Like I mean, Instagram's only been out for what maybe ten years. Um. So like you know this is all this is like the new frontier. You know, it's like uh, it's like Elon Musk. You know, trying to send people to Mars. It's like, eh, we're just figuring it out right now. So. I also think that eventually do you ever think the influencer like world's ever gonna burn out or do you think there'll always be influencers?
2: I think there'll always be influencers because there's always number one influential people. Right. Right. Somebody's yeah. always going to be influenced by somebody else, yeah. right? Because it's it's yeah. human nature. But I think there so and this is one thing that I'm really learning in, in in business is that there's a there's a time and a place for influencers for the certain types of goals that you want. Now, majority of my fans are KSI fans. They will, initially, when I started posting stuff, when I was transferring, when I was switching from KSI to my own personal stuff, right, and I wasn't posting as much KSI, I saw a decline in my engagement because the majority of people have followed me because they wanted to see more KSI. So it can work as a double-edged sword if you're not consistently within that industry or that focus, right? If you're, you know, if you're a makeup brand, or or, or if you're, you know, say like the Diesel brother, the the Diesel boys, right? Have you ever heard of those guys? No. They're super big on like Diesel and. But you're in the business in the last site. ten years, man. Like I
1: don't, like I don't pay attention.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Let, let's. Okay. Let's flip the script here. Let's say, um, say Gary Vee, right? Say you spend a week with Gary Vee, right? He's tagging you. He's shouting you out. You're getting tons of followers from Gary. Yeah.
1: You get, you're, yeah you're, you're basically riding his coattails. And if that ever falters, you have nothing. You go back to zero, right? Like,
2: and, and that's why it's super important to have your own content in the mix with things that you're doing, because you want to be clear that you are separate. Yeah, we're right.
1: equal. We're, we're on equal playing fields, almost. Like it's just like, oh, you just happen to end in my circle. We both have our own circles, and they might collide every once in a while. But we're all doing our own things, right?
2: Exactly. And if you don't have your own content, it's all Gary V content, and people are expecting the next Gary V, they follow you because they're expecting the next Gary V video. Yeah. Well, well no, guess we what? They got out. a rude awakening. Yeah, they got a rude awakening, and then you got a rude awakening because you're like, "Where's all the people? Where's all?" Where's all the people that yeah. were following me? Oh, I hear me.
1: you. I, I hear you. I actually was talking to my friend, Brian Hess about this the other day. He said that a lot of people, you know, refuse to take pictures with, you know, influencers or stuff like that, because they don't want to get sucked into the trap of like, where like, it's like a, this is, they would rather be equal. Right. And like, you know, everybody wants to get the, Hey Gary, what's up? Or, you know, like, you know, which is cool. Right. Um, it's really been difficult for me to like, you know, because everything's on virtual and zoom right now, um, you know, we've been doing these, this whole NFT project was, it was a year old. I actually met Gary three years ago at a baseball card show. Uh, I have a couple videos. I think I sent them to you. Uh, um, is that that selfie that
2: you got with, with Gary? Yeah. I
1: that- a Michael Jordan rookie card off of him. Yeah. And, uh, so then I mean, again, yeah, I've been following the guy for 10 years. I met him in person a few years ago. Then I'm part of his project. So now I have a lot more interaction with him. Um. So now it's. I do feel like a lot of people are like, "Oh, Benny, Benny Fisher, Gary V." And I'm like, yeah, "Man, i don't know. like, I love Gary, but like, I don't want to be like, I don't know. Like, I just want to like, I wanna help the project. I want to learn about NFTs. I kind of want to understand that. I trust Gary, um, because I've been following his content for so long. But I also understand the trap of like, man, we got to do other things than just V friends, right? Um, diversify. I, definitely I definitely can't be hanging out in the cartoon world all day <laughs> no 100% That's why I, I, mean, roofing. I, got, I got the roofing thing going I got the business I got you know the v-friends we got VCON coming up in like two days we're recording this on a Monday right before VCON, so I'm really trying to actually figure that out for myself kind of like what direction do I want to go I think right now I'm exploring a bunch of different stuff just to kind of feel like what I'm going to be mostly interested in because I really I do like it all actually um, it's it's I like the networking and the relationships that I'm meeting people, even guys like you. Like, I just, I'm yeah. like, I'm like addicted to the relationships. Uh, I love meeting new people. I love collaborating. I love meeting people that are from different walks of life. Um, the one thing about the NFT project that was cool is I instantly in the Hangout Hawk, you know, community, there's 125 Hangout Hawks. We're all over the world. I mean, I got some friends in Australia now. I got a friend in Serbia, France, Japan. Um, you know, people all over the country. I mean, it's re- Germany. It's really cool that like I've been communicating with these people on Zoom. We we have our own weekly calls. Um, and I would have never had a chance to meet people like that all over the world had I not gotten involved in this NFT project.
2: You should I want to I want to hear a little bit more about. So, what is so okay. And and this is this is something I I've always kind of been curious about because the NFT space is still substantially new to me. Right. Oh,
1: it's good to everybody, bro. It's yeah. The fact that you even know the three letters NFT puts you in the top two percent of the
2: world. Oh Maybe my the god. Top of the world. So how? So okay. Here, here's what. Here's what I really want to know. How can people? How can people find? How can people vet and find the right NFT projects to get a part of? Right. So,
1: again, this is where, you know, having a little experience and age and be able to understand, like, relationships and understand when you ask questions and being able to figure out who to trust really matters. Um, because, again, online, there's, you know, just like, you know, Google, there's a million different places you can go for information. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, right? Same thing with social media, right? Like, there's good stuff on social media, there's bad stuff. You have to be a good judge of character, and a good judge of what what kind of content makes sense and what doesn't, and then form relationships and then build trust to then gather intel or information and then be able to execute on that intel. Because without that, I mean, you're just gambling. I mean, it's like the Wild West, which that's why I stick so – again, this is why I stick so close to the Gary Vee Project, because I'm 40. I've been watching this guy since I'm, in like, 32 years old. I've seen him go like this very systematically, very slowly – very much a lot of hard work um he's he's a little brash but i mean like he's no nonsense he i don't know it's it's consistently awesome content and he's in theory mostly historically right about a lot of things so that's why i'm playing it safe to that best because i'm afraid i'm afraid that if i go like to board a club for instance you know that's the big one where everyone's talking about I'm afraid like there's not gonna be people in that community that I trust. But now there will be, because now that I'm in VFriends, I find the big players in that space, and then if they have crossover to another community, then I feel like I could cross over to another community because I might trust you. For instance, like let's say you're in board aid club, but you're also in VFriends. All right, I form a relationship with you, and again, it's over for a year. I'm like talking to you about other everyday life stuff, not just NFTs, not just crypto, not just business. I'm trying to get inside your mind of how Manager John works, right? So then if Manager John says, hey, KSI is coming out with this boxing NFT. Here's what it's going to be about. Here's how it's going to be. It's all marketing, right, and relationships. Everything in this world is relationships. And how do you market it, right? Well, it's through the network. So if you say KSI is going to boxing thing, I actually might give it a shot because, I trust you because I build a relationship with you because I met you through the Gary Vee program. You may be in the Board Gate Club program, which also got their own different set of credibility. Now you want to take me into a new project. It's just like business. except It's just with art, digital assets, collections. Um, they're like new companies being formed every day, so it's definitely very fun did that help you answer like how to find the right nft project or how to figure out where to go i mean you got to you got to start with something that makes sense to you that you can like at least form a foundation with if you don't have a good foundation it's going to be very rocky and it could it can lead you down a destructive path
2: so i i guess dually so you've been you've been a part of like you know business for quite some time right so you you already have pre-vetted questions right you know how somebody can set, you you can tell if somebody's like BS and you or, or whatever yeah. it is
1: yeah Plus I just yeah but it sales my whole life like I've been I, yeah I'm, I've, been, I've already into relationships and networking so like I've been ta- I've talked to hundreds and you know, thousands of people over the last 20 years so for me I just ask more questions man I, I figure out when my spider sense gets you know out of whack and then I you know I either go towards it or I run away
2: from it what are those what are those questions that you're asking yourself because there's a lot of people that Maybe aren't where you're at, right? And so, like, how can you expedite somebody's somebody's knowledge to to give them value of like maybe a little bit of the questions that they can ask themselves?
1: Well, the big thing is I ask them, "Why do you want to get into NFTs? Why do you why do you want to be why do you care about NFTs?" Okay, so
2: so, so uh, this is when there, they're this is...
1: answer. Then I'm gonna then I'm gonna like I always want to start with why, and I want to figure out why you know if it's money. If it's collectability, if it's utility, if it's the art, if it's like, because my buddy told me, like, there's so many answers that they could get me. And then I would be able to take that answer and then ask them a follow-up question to then help guide them through a path and figure out, because then, like, I could tell. Because if they just want to get rich quick, I'm going to just tell them, man, like, now it's, it's, it's not NFTs aren't
2: for you, yeah.
1: Well, oh, it's just not that easy. I mean, like, it's just too up and down. I mean, you're not you're not going to have the stomach with it. And then I'm going to say, how much money are you going to use? How much percentage of your whole, you know, your whole net worth are you going to put into this? You know, are you just going to dabble? Are you just going to go, like, hard? Like, how many, how many hours a week? You know, not just money, but, like, how much time are you going to put into studying it? You know, like, I'm going to ask them all these questions before I can give them any type of advice. Because, again, what's good for me is not
2: necessarily good for you. Do you think that um... – Do you think, so if it is money, right? Do you think because of you, you mentioned volatility. So if you, you mentioned volatility, is it better to invest into NFTs or NFT? Okay. You got to pick one right now. And don't just say NFTs because you're in NFTs. NFTs, cryptocurrency, or the stock market. Which one are you picking? Why? For me personally? Yeah. Right this
1: second, mm-hmm. I'm picking cryptocurrency because it would take me too long to really find the right NFT project that I that I think is going to be the one. Because it's like they're they're all being formed right now, mm-hmm. uh, and they're also not a big track record. They've only really been in the mainstream for a year now. Um, real? Did you say stocks? Uh, stocks because I really think that the the, the country's headed down. Um, a rocky path, and with inflation and uncertainty with the politics and the government, like I just feel like cryptocurrency is more worldwide, and it's more it'll be more stable. Um, long term, it's got the, it's got a lot of upside still, especially today. It's, it's really cheap today. So, <laughs> everybody, everybody <laughs>
2: cries. Yeah, it's really cheap today. <laughs> cryptocurrency,
1: I would only go you know, with the major three, you know, I go with Bitcoin, Ethereum or Cardano. I wouldn't literally miss with anything else. Cause anything else is, I think gambling in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think that if I really wanted to stick, stick some cash in, it also matters too. Like, am I trying to like flip it quick? You know, is this a short term or a long term play? I mean, long term play, you're not going to be wrong with, with, with stocks either, depending on like, if you're going to go 20, 30 years, even 10 years, you're fine with stocks. Cause right now is a good time to buy them. You know, Um, but again, cryptocurrency, if you want to have a little bit more edge to you, you want to have a little bit more upside, you're a little younger, um, you know, but then when you're younger, you don't have that much money, When you're older, you got a little bit more money, you know, theoretically, hopefully. Um, so I don't know. Why not do them all? You know, why not balance it all out and put a portfolio together and do and instead of or, you know, that's, that's, I learned that from Gary V. you know, why not do both, you know, and. Why? 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 Just pick one.
2: What's your um? What's how do you diver- What's your percentage that you diversify?
1: Oh, I don't have a plan, bro. Like I wish I was that smart. Um, yeah, I I, don't know, <laughs> I have I probably have right now. I got a little lopsided NFTs. I haven't checked like lately since the you know since the crash happened. But I was probably twenty five percent crypto, seventy five percent NFTs. But I was like 50-50. But before like May. I was 100%, you know, between crypto and NFTs, I was, like, 100% crypto. And then in May, but I moved my crypto over to buy the NFTs. And then the NFTs went up, and then my crypto kind of just kind of stayed. But now it's kind of like the NFTs went down, the crypto went down. I don't know. I'd have to figure it out. But if that varies, um, and I'm probably, as far as stocks and mutual funds and 401ks and stuff, I don't know. I'm trying to be balanced. I'm trying to be, like, I'm trying to be 20% in real estate, 20% in crypto, 20% in stocks, 20% in NFTs, and 20% in business. Is where like I would love to be, my mind would love to be balanced like that, but it's just so hard because when one takes off, like it's too hard to. You just got to keep chipping away, man. That way you always have something to fall back on. If uh, you know, that's why I love business. That's why I love I love it all. I got I got real estate, I got crypto, I got stocks, I got NFTs and I got a business.
2: If uh if someone was starting with NFTs for the first time, right? What um where where should they find their information to learn more information? Well,
1: I mean and again, and I'm not partial, but I think if you follow Vfriends because it's you can you know, it's free. You can just go to the Vfriends website and get the Discord you just start learning. Ask questions. You can get a V friend too, right now for, I don't know, what's point? I don't even know what the mark, 1000 bucks, which I know is a lot of money for, for some people. But, I mean, it's not it's not really in, in, in this NFT world. So you can at least get your feet wet if you want to buy one. But you don't have to buy one to learn and participate and ask questions. And there's a ton of people that I talk to every day that don't have – you know, maybe an NFT or maybe even any crypto. They're just learning and they're asking questions and the community is great. That's why I like VFriends because, you know, it's, it's, it's like-minded people that are, care about kindness and empathy and optimism and all those traits that Gary talks about. Um, so you find just a lot of people that kind of like, like that stuff. You know, we're, we're sick and tired of getting beat up in the, in the real world. So we're hanging out in the NFT world with all these awesome traits. And so you have this community of people. That are really just kind of growing together and learning together. That's what I'm excited about VCon
2: coming up. Um, what was I going to say? You're tricking
1: me right now on the content. I know what you're doing
2: right now. No, man, I'm. I'm asking. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even <laughs> you
1: asking. Are, you're likes, but that's
2: it's all good, man. I'm not even asking for these other people anymore, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for not these not other not people. Not- I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get information for myself. No, so okay, you're part of Vcon then, right? So how do you part to Vcon? I mean, I don't know
1: if I'm part well, of it. I mean, I have eight, I have eight tokens. I have eight tickets to Vcon.
2: Well, you got well. That that's not what I was going to ask, but um, I meant to say you're part of Vfriends. Oh so... yeah, I, yeah, I
1: own seven Vfriends.
2: So and like twenty Vfriends
1: twos or something like
2: that. I okay, you get into you get into Vfriends, right? You're talking to people, right? How? How do you go about asking or finding out which 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 drops or what, what's it called like uh, when an NFT is minted, right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you how do you go about getting in on a minted floor price, like? So
1: you again, that would be on a new project that's being released. So if you go in and start hanging out in the community, and a lot of people are hanging out in the Discord. You just start, you you know, you make friends. You make friends in, like, a chat room, you know, and then that goes to Twitter spaces, and then you start listening to Twitter spaces, and you start hearing about things, and you start following certain things, and you see articles, and you're like, oh, this is launching, oh, this is launching. And you just start to make decisions based on what you think is cool. I mean, I always tell people, invest with money that you can afford to lose, Pretend that as soon as you buy it, you lit it on fire, but do it because you love it. Okay, like for instance, and I don't know you that well, but I'm just assuming that you love helping people make content. You would do it whether you know you got paid one dollar or a million dollars. I feel like so at the end of the day, wow. Well, <laughs> <I, I got, laughs> well, well, hold on, I now. Got, now. Just, <laughs> right, but right. But whether you're making a thousand bucks or a hundred thousand bucks, you see what I'm saying? Like you still enjoy content. You still, you actually love it, right? Yeah. If you didn't, if you didn't love it, it's so easy when it goes down to say, "Oh, screw you, man! I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go be a barber."
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's like, and then that leads to a whole life of chaos when you don't do things that you love. When you do things that you love, the results and the money come afterwards. You don't have to. You don't. Your, your happiness isn't. Your joy isn't attached to, to, to the, to the thing. If you love what you do, it's not attached to the money um so a lot of people could just get into things for the wrong reason and that's why you see people freaking out right now when the market's crashing i'm looking at the market crash and saying yeah baby it's a buy. it's like everything's on clearance yeah like, time to double at, up where's my mom at there's a there's a sale at the mall <laughs> i mean like that's yeah. what it's like for a guy like me but i've also been through some pretty crazy crashes i bought my first bitcoin for six hundred dollars I remember, I think it was at, at the end of 2017 or 18. Now I'm starting to get old. I can't remember. My years are coming across. I think it was at the end
2: of 2017. The first spike? You're talking about the first that spike? it went to
1: 20 grand, man.
2: Like, was oh, like, my yeah! God, dude. Yo, I was, I was right there with you, bro. I
1: thought I was so rich. I was like, oh, man, Lambos. It was during a winter. I remember it was the winter. And then roofing, it's super slow out. I was like, I never have to be a roofer forever again, man. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I said, I'm going to ride this winter out, and I'm going to have Lambos. I'm going to have big houses. It's going to the moon. Wouldn't you know it, man, before spring, that thing bottomed back down. I'm like, ah, oh, I got to go back to work.
2: It's a, I mean, it's so the same thing again. I mean. I've been
1: doing that a couple different times, and then COVID happened, right? Same thing happened. COVID happened. Pfft, guess what I did during COVID. I bought because I knew that that was cheap and I was low and I was like, dang, dude, I want in that. I remember buying Bitcoin then again for like 10,000 bucks and I'm like, like, dude, that's cheap and then it went to 60 (laughs) and now it's back up to like 20 or 30. (laughs) So again, you ride the waves, right? But I bought my first Bitcoin for 600 bucks.
2: Oh my God. Did Did you, you didn't, you didn't sell it, did you? I've traded it. I mean,
1: you gotta remember, like I'm always making moves, right? I'm taking, I'm taking. Oh, so you trade.
2: did. So you're doing the short-term, short-term trades.
1: I mean, not as much anymore, but back then in the day, like I converted a lot to Cardano. I've converted a lot to NFTs. You know, I mean, I I just keep moving the assets around, right? Um, so I still have it. I just not necessarily in Bitcoin. You know, I remember one time I had eight bitcoins, nine bitcoins. And I remember thinking, you know, oh, that's not a lot, but, you know, shoot, nine, you know, nine, ten Bitcoins now. It's like people people get excited about it. I mean, but I like, you know, Cardano. I mean, I love Cardano. I bought a lot of Cardano. Um, a buddy of mine bought Cardano when it was four cents. And then I, and I watched it go to $3. I mean, literally, boom. And, uh, and now it's back down to like, I don't know, 50, 60 cents. But, uh, yeah, you got to be able to ride the storms and, and, and listen. you got to listen to people that have been there before you. So, like, this is where, like, all that knowledge I can give you based on my own, like, you know, experience, you can either listen to it and say, oh, he's full of crap, he's just, you know, he's, a, he's just talking hot air because that's what he's doing. But it's not, it's all truth, man. It's just you build a stomach for it after a while, just like with stocks, you know, in 2008. Same thing happened. We're watching the same thing happen. You were too young to remember. I didn't care. You know, and, but, so now I'm feeling it with my own 401k account and my own stocks. I'm like, man, this sucks. And that's way harder to get moved back around, too. Like, stocks are a lot slower to, like, rebound. Yeah. I mean, you're, like, crypto, I feel like tomorrow something could happen. And, like, Elon could send out a tweet and then go to the moon again.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I, again,
1: uh... if you not selling, it doesn't matter.
2: No, that, and that's what I've been doing with, like, a lot of my cryptocurrency is, like, I, honestly, I haven't I haven't ever sold off any of my cryptocurrency. I've, I've always, like, I, one of the biggest things I think that I've, and not, not to, you know, not to overshare, but, like, one of the biggest things that I think has always helped me go from, like, a novice to, like, being able to understand what I'm doing is setting rules. Like, you set yeah, rules yeah, for if yourself.
1: You can, if you can stick to those rules. But the problem is emotion, reading articles. That's it hearing fear from other people watching social media, watching the news. Oh, you know, my mom used to send me links. Bitcoin's going to crash. Bitcoin's going to crash. I'm like, all right. And then guess what? When it did, ah, I told you, I told you it was going to crash. And then it
2: triples and then it triples. Cause you knew, yeah, no, cause you knew.
1: No, yeah. And then she does get excited when it goes up. But again, like we're riding emotional roller coasters. Once you get centered, once you realize that life isn't about money, and life is just about enjoying the journey and the process things get a lot better emotionally for you that way you're you know that way you're always happy so like that's why i'm still smiling i'm still excited to go to vcom even when the market's in the tank i mean this is like this is worse than it's been since i mean now granted in may of last year ethereum was worth four thousand dollars almost five thousand yeah. dollars but listen, you could buy you bought a token for uh, a half of an Ethereum. You could have got Jagari's cheapest token for half of so for two grand American. Well, right now there's seven there's seven ETH for two grand, so it's like fourteen grand. So you're still up, like way big. But I saw it go up to twenty five ETH at three grand. So that was really like a cheap tokens were fifty and sixty grand. So it all depends on your perspective of like how you judge things. If you're always judging it by the all-time high and the all-time low, man, you're going to be in a really rude awakening because your stomach ain't going to be able to handle that. But listen, this is a great conversation. I think we should wrap this episode up. I got a lot more stuff I want to chat with you about in the future, but uh, I really appreciate you being here. I do got five questions I want to ask you.
2: Let's go hit it. Rapid fire, baby. I want to know
1: your favorite book.
2: Uh, 48 Laws of Power.
1: 48 Laws of Power. Favorite restaurant? Mm.
2: Man, it's hard. I've eaten at a lot of places. There's a lot of good food out there, man. There's so much good food out there. Um, Can I say type of food instead? Uh,
1: yeah, you can say whatever you want. Why not just pick your
2: favorite restaurant? I don't know. I keep finding new favorites. You know what I mean? And then, and then my loyalty goes out the window. <laughs>
1: that you look forward to.
2: Let's come back to this. I got to weigh them out. Let's come back to it. All
1: right, how about your favorite
2: movie? Oh, favorite movie? Goodwill Hunting.
1: Love that one. It's good. Oh, so good. Favorite travel destination?
2: Um, favorite travel destination? I would say uh, Dubai. I knew you
1: were going to say that. Yeah, we yeah. should probably, yeah. probably do a whole podcast about the barbershop and Dubai.
2: Barbershop. To uh, Dubai. And who's your
1: favorite? Who's your favorite person? Like, if you could spend the day with anybody, who would you spend a day with?
2: Oh man, I'll tell you. If I'd if I'd spend the, my last day on Earth, I'd spend it with my mom. Dude, that's awesome. 100%. I feel like I didn't get the t-
1: chance to talk to you a little bit about your childhood. I, w- I would have liked to go there, uh, maybe on the next one.
2: 2.0. Uh, oh. 2.0. And then
1: what about, I'm, I'm back to the favorite restaurant, man.
2: So, favorite restaurant, um, I would have to say, is pretty recent in my life. I would have to say it's, it's Louie's. It's a place in Detroit. They got this crazy pizza that's served by a bunch of old women. And they just like they're just these old Italian women that just come out with this crazy Detroit style pizza. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah you know me. Anything else, sweetie? You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want the sausage? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There you go, man. That's cool. So, how do people, if they want to like, get more information about Manager John, if they want to follow you, where is the best way to connect with you?
2: Manager John on Instagram. That's where I'm the most connected. That's just it.
1: Manager John. It's J O N, right?
2: Yep manager john
1: awesome buddy looking forward to uh keep building this relationship with you and uh, we'll talk to you soon thanks for coming on the show thank you big fish
2: love you man see you
0: thank you for listening to the big fish cares podcast It's our passion to help share stories and journeys, to help inspire optimism, to take action and accomplish your goals. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on the website at www.thebigfishcares.com. Find us on Facebook at The Big Fish Cares and on Instagram at bigfish.benny. See you next time.